Welcome to the Patriotic Pulpit. We have a special guest coming up in just a few moments, and that man is Alex Newman. He's been a good friend of the show, just a brilliant, a brilliant man, and a, a great researcher. Writes articles for a number of publications. We'll be talking about the United Nations. He has a new article out. It's in the Epic Times called "The United Nations Seeks Vast New Powers for Global Emergencies," and that, of course, involves the strengthening of the United Nations. So we'll talk with Alex Newman about that in just a few moments. Then we want to talk also, before we get to that, we want to talk about the fact that the Biden administration is targeting American churches and showing its colors, that it's Marxist colors, truly by targeting the American churches. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But first, we want to talk about education. Under federal control, education has become nothing but indoctrination. So there's a wise and there's a strong move right now in the state of Oklahoma just to our north here as its lawmakers are now considering legislation that would phase out government school system. Now, the reason it needs to be phased out and not cut off all at once is because the state of Oklahoma receives $1 billion in federal aid, federal monies for education. And so in order to wean people off of that, In Oklahoma, they need to phase it out. And that, of course, is the wise move because of what is happening in education. And it's also an example to the state of Texas and other states also that want to remain with sovereignty and any kind of education that is worth their salt. And so let's think about what's going on there for just a moment. In Oklahoma, the bill is known as Senate Bill Number 863. And it tasks the Oklahoma Department of Education with developing a plan to free the Sooner State from the federal boot over a decade. Now, the phase-out is really the only viable option, as we've just mentioned a moment ago. But the entire federal system of education is collapsing as far as real education is concerned, and also in the state of Texas, and we've talked about it before. Well, it turns out something interesting here, and that is that our founding fathers had it right from the beginning. Our founding fathers said explicitly in the Constitution, that is Article 1, Section 8, that only certain powers are given to the federal government and to put a lock and a key, to use Thomas Jefferson's phrase, on that Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, Article 10 Uh, uh, Rather, the Amendment 10 tells us that no more may be added to it. That is, nothing else. It's, It's a statement of forbidding the government from involved in anything else. Everything else is left solely to the states and specifically to parents as far as education is concerned, the parents of the children. And we've seen educators speaking out, not simply with an attitude, but speaking out, saying that the children are owned by the state. Now, this is what Hillary Clinton believed way back yonder. I remember reading 30 years ago that Hillary Clinton believed that children ought to be wards of the state or something to that nature. But that's exactly the view of many educators today. So there's a good reason why Oklahoma is saying, no more federal government, get out of education. Not only because of the Constitution, but because The fact of the matter is, under federal control, the educational system in the United States is actually becoming a system of indoctrination. 
And it seems that's the case almost everywhere you, get, everywhere you turn. Indoctrination, not education. For example, <clears throat> a federal judge just cited with a school district in Brownsburg, Indiana, over firing a teacher by the name of John Kludge for refusing to call transgender students their preferred names and pronouns. The district did not violate Kludge's rights, stated the court. That's according to Fox News. That is, the court said we didn't, we didn't overstep our bounds by firing him, and the school didn't overstep its bounds. But the idea that teachers must be bound by the disorientation of transgenderism and to call these teenagers and young teenagers into preteens a preferred pronoun, that is absolutely, that is absolutely out of bounds. It's really a mental illness, and it is, it's so sad to see going on in our nation, transgenderism. And yet, they want to help. That is, school districts are trying to hold teachers accountable to use the preferred pronouns of different students. Absolutely crazy. Now, I mentioned mental illness. You might note something just as a sidebar. Homosexuality was on the DSM manual in 1973. We've talked about that at length before. But after hardball politics by that homosexual agenda, it was taken off. No science, no study, no, no real investigation in it. It was just hard, bare-knuckle politics as they took over an APA meeting, American Psychiatric Association meeting in San Francisco. But then when Barack Obama, that, for, now let's maybe back up and finish that up, and that is, so it was taken out of the DSM manual, the Diagnostics and Statistics Manual for Psychiatric Illnesses, and so homosexuality was removed because of political pressure. So that's how it was and stood from 1973 until 2008 when Barack Obama single-handedly engineered bringing homosexuality to the forefront and pushed it, and, and it became, of course, through the Supreme Court, it became law of the United States. So what we have warned, what I've, what I've been warning about for all of my preaching life, I preach in the pulpits of the churches of Christ, and what I've been warning about all of my preaching life is that this will bring in its train many, many more problems, problematic issues, hedonism, disregarding natural rights, disregarding what nature teaches us, and that's exactly, exactly what we're seeing. And so the LGBTQ community, they push this. Now we have transgenderism, and now we have schools, public schools, that are forcing their teachers with the backing of the courts to side with transgender pronouns, preferred pronouns of children. Absolutely astounding. But it's not only there in Indiana, Florida. Florida sees the problem looming on the horizon, so they thought it was necessary, the state of Florida did, Floridians, to propose a law that would define a person's sex as tied to his or her reproductive function. Gender pronouns, therefore, will be restricted to biological reality and not the upside-down thinking of the transgender crowd. And how about this one? This comes to us from Wichita, Kansas. They published a gender support plan 
that appears to show that a student's gender identity can be hidden from the parents, and teachers are told that avoiding the use of preferred names and pronouns can lead to a student's death. Now, that's remarkable. Here, the educational system that is in Wichita, Kansas, supports the ridiculous concept that transgender people rule and the majority of the population must go along with their disorientation. And the harm that these transgenders may cause and have caused all across this country, witness the shooting that took place in Nashville, Tennessee, they lay that at the feet of those who don't bow down to this false god. It's absolutely astounding. So there are many other instances of school officials that are facing similar backlash for not bowing down to the transgender ideology and transgender policies, pronoun usage, the bizarre beliefs. Here's a former teacher by the name of Peter Vlaming. Vlaming alleges that in West Virginia, the West, or Virginia West Point, rather, Virginia West Point School District, they terminated him for refusing to use pronouns that did not correspond to a student's biological sex. He was expected to comply, once again, with non-reality. Former teacher Vivian Garagdi made similar allegations against a school district in Ohio. In West Virginia, the battle is shaping up the same way because a federal judge there has upheld state law requiring student-athletes to compete with other members of their biological sex. In other words, barred transgenders from competing in, in cross-sex athletic contests. And, of course, that is, only, that is only logical, commonsensical, and biological. So... What do you think the transgender crowd is going to do there? Well, the list goes on and on. And fights are beginning to loom everywhere. But the, but the sad thing is, this is in the public education system in America. And the problem is exactly what our founders told us not to do. It's in the federal system. It's the fact that we have allowed education to be hijacked by the federal government And whatever doctrine the federal government actually believes and adheres to, which is, as we know from the spokesman Joe Biden, that it's the LGBTQ community, transgenderism, and all the hedonistic ideas that go along with it, that's the doctrine of our government. Consequently, they have the public school system under federal control, the National Education Association. And I'll tell you one thing, it needs to stop. And states need to stand up, withdraw from the NEA, because congressmen and senators apparently are not strong enough to get rid of it. As a matter of fact, Ronald Reagan was not strong enough, as great as a man as he was, was not strong enough to put education back into the hands of the states. But it needs to be not only in the hands of the states, it needs to be in the hands of parents. And parents that are concerned about not only these issues, but also the dumbing down of our educational system, which is going on everywhere, are looking, and rightfully so, to private education and Christian education. We have good educational system, private education, in the city of Wichita Falls. We have Wichita Christian Academy, Wichita Christian School. We have others also, but these are privately run educational systems. And if you don't want your child indoctrinated with the falsities that are going on in public education, then you need to look elsewhere. 
We'll be back in a moment. We've talked about education. We've talked about the lack of freedom, but instead the neo-Marxist doctrine that is being pushed by the Biden administration and the Democratic agenda. But it's also taking place on many different fronts, and one of them is the churches, that is, in, the, in religion. The Biden administration, filled with all kinds of socialists of various stripes, obviously has targeted churches, Christians, and people who name the name of Christ, and people who are Bible believers, and have fostered an anti-Christian culture in America. I remember back when Obama was running to be president for the first time, he, he just ridiculed people who clung to their guns and their Bibles, or the guns and the religion. This is exactly what they have targeted in the Biden administration, and they're trying to put the finishing touches on it. First of all, with Biden came Mark Houck. Remember Mark Houck? He was the one who protested and actually counseled. It was not really a protester. was a counselor outside of abortion clinics in the city of Philadelphia, passing out literature, speaking with people. Had his 12-year-old son out there, and he got into an altercation with one of the pro-abortion persons who came and ridiculed and spoke ugly and nasty and degrading things to his son. And so how pushed the man get away from his 12-year-old son. Well, <clears throat> the state wouldn't even take it up because there was not evidence against Hauk that it should be that he should be prosecuted for anything at all. And yet, didn't take long, the Biden administration and its Attorney General, Merrick Garland, they are the ones that target parents in different school board meetings, and they target people who are passing out Christian literature at abortion mills. And so they arrested Hauk. It was a SWAT team investigation, SWAT team arrest at his home one early, early one morning. Well, he was recently exonerated by a court because there was, there was no evidence of it. In spite of the fact that the Department of Justice lied about it, Hauk was released because, as we said, there was no evidence against him. And he was doing, by the way, that which is legally allowable Passing out literature on the sidewalks is not disallowed by law. He was doing only that which he is allowed to do. Well, that's not enough. Now the FBI is infiltrating Catholic churches in different dioceses. The Department of Justice, according to documents that have been discovered at the DOJ, this is from the Richmond, Virginia office. Traditional Catholics are referred to as extremists, because of the so-called anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant, anti-LGBT, and anti-or-white supremacy views. Accordingly, Biden's administration has utilized a number of undercover sources in various Catholic churches to monitor what they call suspicious activity, which they wish to label, of course, that's white supremacy at work. Now, this is according to FBI whistleblower by the name of Kyle Serafin who revealed documents showing that the FBI was monitoring radicals within the Catholic Church. Now, here's something interesting. <clears throat> Everybody's seen this who, who watches, pays attention to the news. I guess mainstream media doesn't cover this, but Merrick Garland, the head of the DOJ, Attorney General, was being questioned by congressmen and senators just the other day. 
And one of the congressmen was Josh Hawley from Missouri, and he questioned Barrett Garland on this specific point. And he asked Garland whether the DOJ, which includes, includes the FBI, actually has targeted Christians or different churches in America, such as the Catholic Church, with infiltration and spying on them and targeting them in any way whatsoever. And he answered no. And several times he said no. But the truth of the matter is, Garland was absolutely lying to Congress. And how it is that the Biden administration has so many liars on board and continue to lie to the American people, I suppose that's just the Democratic mantra. But that's what he did. Nevertheless, it has been going on. Documents now reveal that it has been going on for a while. I thought this was interesting. This comes from Jim Jordan, who's a senator from the, or rather a representative from the state of Ohio. He said someone needs to give them, that's Merrick Garland, the DOJ, and Joe Biden, a lesson on the First Amendment. Well, I want to remark this, that a lesson on the First Amendment is not going to do any good. They know the First Amendment. They know what it is. This is all about power. It's all about power broking. It's all about running roughshod over the Constitution and the rights of people. They know what the First Amendment is. They don't care about the First Amendment. And what needs to happen is people, well, we need, first of all, to get rid of Merrick Garland. We need to impeach Joe Biden. We need to get rid of the crew that we have, this Marxist crew that we have running our government. That's what needs to take place. And the American people need to rise up and stop all of this going on with the federal government. Because teaching them a lesson is not going to do it. That is a verbal lesson. They need to have some action behind it. Now, predictably, this hostility that is shown by the current administration, <clears throat> excuse me, against Christianity is just continuing to rise all across the board in America. The Family Research Council has indicated, <clears throat> excuse me, that criminal acts against churches have been rising steadily for the past several years. They have an extensive study, you can find it online, but it has reached its highest level in the first quarter of this year, that's 2023. You see, the Biden administration and the Obama administration before it has clearly set the tone and set the pace for prosecution, and next comes, of course, persecution. And these acts of persecution includes vandalism, arson, gun-related incidences, bomb threats, and much more. And the examples of there are plenty, such as what took place when the transgender who murdered six at the Covenant School in Nashville last month. The Family Research Council report summarizes this anti-Christian culture as being purposefully grown in Washington, D.C., and here's how they word it. Criminal acts of vandalism and destruction of church property are symptomatic of a collapse in societal reverence and respect for houses of worship and religion. In this case, churches and Christianity. The larger problem is marginalizing core Christian beliefs, including those that touch hot-button political issues related to human dignity and sexuality. It is religious freedom that is on the block. All right, we'll be back in just a moment with Alex Newman. We're joined by one of our very special guests, one of my favorites, and that is Alex Newman. We haven't had Alex on in a while, as we're just happy to have him. Alex writes for a number of publications. He's uh, up on so many different issues and just is really a go-to man to talk about 
various things. And one of the things that we are really concerned with, and you should be also, and that is the United Nations. And so he has a recent article in the Epic Times pertaining to the United Nations. It's called UN Seeks Vast New Powers for Global Emergencies. So we have Alex, the author of that article right now. So Alex, welcome to the program. Great to be back with you. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. Hey, listen, the UN trying to take over control more and more of world control, global government, and I guess they're using the pandemic to do it, and emergency platform. I wonder if you might kind of lay that out for us just a moment. Yeah, well, thank you. So this is actually a breaking news exclusive story. Nobody's picked it up yet. But uh, the U.N. uh, quietly last month, the Secretary General put out what's called a policy brief outlining his vision for this um, massive emergencies plan. And um, it's very, very uh, light on details. But um, the the big picture is very troubling. Uh, They're basically saying that in the event of some undefined global emergency, and then they say, by the way, it doesn't even have to be a global emergency, uh, the U.N. is going to take charge. The U.N. is going to bring together all the governments of the world, the regional governments like the European Union, uh, the private sector, the civil society, right, the George Soros front groups, things like that, uh, and they are going to coordinate the global response. And they say that the international organizations like the U.N. will be the primary decision-makers and uh, everybody else just has to submit to what they say. And so they give different examples of, like, categories of emergencies. They offer climate change, environmental degradation, a biological attack, a pandemic, an economic crisis, um, a black swan event, uh, something in outer space. I mean, just and, and basically anything <clears throat> could fall under this criteria. And um, if the governments of the world approve this at a summit that they're going to be hosting later this year, actually it'll be in September in New York, they're calling it the Summit of the Future, then uh, the U.N. will consider this a done deal and will start uh, working to put it together. So the U.N. Secretary General Guterres has said this is strengthening global governance. Global government, I mean, it's, it's right here in our faces, and I, I'm, I'm stunned that people are not more in tune with this. You know, I I thought this was interesting. I saw uh, Tucker Carlson recently talk about, of course, one reason they hate Trump so much is because the left uh, doesn't like his foreign policy. I thought, well, that's only good so far as it goes, but it really is about global government. That's what's happening. That's exactly what's happening, Bill. And, um, you know, the UN, they used to kind of disguise this in, in more quiet language. Um, you know, they, they used to talk about international solidarity and multilateral cooperation. Now they just put it in your face. They say, now we're going to have global governance for, for these generations and for future generations. Everyone's going to submit to the authority of the United Nations. Uh, so they're becoming very, very blatant about it, very vocal. Um, and they say in this policy brief, uh, you know, they, they don't actually beat around the bush. They just say everybody's going to have to obey the U.N. in the event of some global emergency, that the Secretary General will have the power to declare, to oversee, and they make very clear that national governments, uh, businesses, everybody will be subservient to the U.N. response. It's amazing to me that that anybody, I mean, anybody who's paying attention should be able to see this is this is a huge, huge power grab and and then the two things about it are like climate change and and I think you mentioned in the article cost of living crisis which we we have both of those supposedly I don't think we have climate change human cause but 
they think we have climate change to an emergency level all the time. So what's to stop them from just going on to it right now? That's exactly right. I mean, it's such a key point to drive home, Bill. Uh, you know, I went to the UN uh, Global Warming Conference just a few months ago in Egypt, and um, I mean, they said we are now, we're not just in a climate emergency anymore, and you heard that term a lot. They said now we're headed to climate hell. Uh, that was their work. They said, unless you give us trillions of dollars and, you know, bow down, this climate emergency is going to turn the planet into hell on earth. By the way, we're launching a new Ten Commandments, and I mean, it was just absolutely bonkers. They did this climate repentance ceremony. Uh, and you had the head of the World Health Organization, uh, an actual communist terrorist. I mean, this is a guy who sat on the Politburo, the central committee of an ethno-Marxist mass-murdering terrorist organization determined to exterminate uh, various people groups in Ethiopia. And uh, he said, you know, we have a climate emergency, and the climate emergency is a public health emergency. Uh, they have said repeatedly that racism is a public health emergency, that gun violence is a public health emergency. So in their view, Anything and everything is an emergency. And, Bill, that's exactly what we've seen in the United States of America. We're now living under – I've lost track, but I think we're living under at least two dozen emergencies declared by the federal <laughs> government. But once you give them these powers, we will be in yeah. an emergency in perpetuity. And people need to realize this is what they call the emergency powers. It's just um, – you know. okay, tell me if I get this uh, this chart correctly. We the, the communist – the Chinese Communist Party – has really the control of the United Nations and filtrated it so much, just like they have the Biden administration. So they're over it and are the socialists. Underneath them is the United Nations and all of its agencies. And the protocols are put out by the U.N. So basically it's – and the Chinese Communist Party is a criminal conspiracy, I think, as you called it in the article, and that's correct. So we have a criminal conspiracy operating through the United Nations and giving out the protocols to the United States. Yep, and, and that sounds crazy. <laughs> That's exactly what's being proposed here. Um, and, you know, it, it wasn't actually me who used that language. One of the people I interviewed for this article was um, the assistant secretary, former assistant secretary of state uh, for international organizations. So uh, he served right underneath Mike Pompeo, and he basically oversaw the U.S. government relationship with the United Nations, the International Monetary Fund, the World Health Organization, World Bank, etc. Um, that was his job during the Trump administration. His name is Kevin Moley. Uh, before that, he was uh, the U.S. ambassador to all the international organizations in uh, Geneva, Switzerland, including the WHO. And uh, he's the one who said, look, what, what this plan calls for is basically giving all power to the U.N., and because the U.N. is now practically a wholly owned subsidiary of the Communist Chinese, this would effectively put the criminal conspiracy that is the Communist Chinese Party in charge of global emergency response. And it's like, you know, what could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I noticed you quoted not only Kevin Moley, but also uh, Peter Gallo. Now, how, where does he fit into it? He, he also seems to be really on top of it and, and exposed a lot of the same material. Yeah, so Peter Gallo is an interesting guy. I met him years ago. Uh, you know, one of the great things about being the only journalist in the world who reports critically on the United Nations is that I've developed an unbelievable network of sources within the UN, uh, people at the very highest levels who, who are sick of what's happening there and who reach out to me with information and scoops and things like that. That's one of the reasons I learned about these things before. Uh, other people do. And Peter Gallo was one of those. Uh, he was actually a U.N. investigator. He was a, a very high up in uh, the U.N.'s internal policing mechanism. They call it the Office of uh, Internal Oversight Services, the OIOS. Um, and so he was an investigator there, and he was trying to blow the whistle on massive levels of corruption. And the, not only did the U.N. not respond to that or, or, or 
try to do anything about it. They went after him, uh, which is what they always do to whistleblowers. To, to give you another example of how bad it is, uh, the head of that agency, the undersecretary general of the OIOS, a uh, Swedish lady, I had been in communication with her for some time, but always off the record, um, when the U.N. soldiers were exposed raping a bunch of children in the Central African Republic, I mean, they were literally bringing them onto the base and systematically raping them for weeks on end. Um, the whistleblower who exposed that, it was a Swedish guy at the U.N. Human Rights Office in Geneva called Anders Kompis, he blew the whistle. And instead of giving him a medal and immediately arresting all the monsters who were abusing these children, they escorted the whistleblower out of his office under armed guard, demonized him in the media, fired him, took away his pension. And so finally, the head of the OIOS, the Undersecretary General of the U.N., reached out to me and said, Alex, I can't take this anymore. I want to do an interview. Meet me on this island. So we talked for three hours. She could not believe how corrupt it had become. So that's where Peter Gallo comes from. Uh, He was a U.N. investigator who was in charge of overseeing this, uh, of investigating this kind of stuff. And he said, look, you cannot trust the U.N. to do anything, much less emergency response. Uh, He and and another group of, uh, a whole group of senior U.N. officials, uh, they formed an organization called Hear Their Cries. They used the U.N.'s own data, the U.N.'s own numbers, to come up with the estimate that U.N. troops have probably raped 60,000 women and children around mm-hmm. the world just in the, in the 10 years under Ban Ki-moon. And he says it's not any better under Antonio Guterres. They are still running wild. They still have impunity. And so putting these people in charge of, you know, anything, right, a, a yeah. school bus drive, much less global emergency response, would be utterly insane. Well, you know what? Uh, that, I mean, that is frightening. It's a frightening prospect. And thinking about but, but this is what they've always been about, and uh, when we'll take a break. We'll take a quick break. But, you know, when we come back, I want to talk about maybe the big picture and what they've – I believe they've always been about in this world government and kind of reaching back and picking up some of the pieces there, and maybe we can just kind of, kind of expand it just a little bit. So uh, we'll, we're talking with Alex Newman. We'll be right back with more. All right, Alex, I want to ask you about the U.N. some more and what really is uh, coming down the pike. Uh, before I do, uh, regarding the story that we've been talking about, you did reach out to Congressman McCall from the state of Texas, and I just wondered what your uh, thoughts were and, and response of congressmen and senators uh, to this this existential challenge right here. Yeah, well, uh, thank you again, Bill, for having me on the program. And uh, I did reach out to Congressman McCall. Uh, he is the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, which is a very, very powerful committee. Um, that's basically the congressional committee that oversees uh, U.S. foreign policy, U.S. relations with other countries, other governments, and, and also these international organizations. And so uh, Chairman McCall has uh, a lot of influence over what will happen on this front. And so I thought, you know, what does this guy think? You know, is he on board with this? Um, he did send me a statement indicating that he was concerned about this. Um, you know, he, he said that uh, he was concerned that Biden was going to try to use this to promote his uh, climate change agenda and that, uh, you know, he was concerned about you know, U.S. taxpayer dollars and American sovereignty. Uh, so, you know, that's all, all very good. I, I hope that Republicans in Congress will take this seriously because it is actually a, a very serious threat to our sovereignty and certainly um, our, our taxpayer dollars. But um, 
you know, and Republicans could stop this. If we had a serious Republican Party in Congress, yep. um, all they would have to say is no more money to this stuff. And, you know, the State Department may not spend one single penny from the from their budget on giving money to the U.N. to do these things. And, um, you know, that would be that. So it's good that they're at least expressing some concerns. But, uh, you know, how serious they are about mm-hmm. doing something about it, that's a whole nother question. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad it's on his radar. I didn't know that it was on his radar. But uh, and I appreciate the response that he give so far, but the entire picture is, is a lot more dastardly and, and dramatic than that simply about, okay, they're using climate change to do this. It's about world government, which they've been, which really they plotted for years and years. Yeah, it is. And, and really from the very beginning of the United Nations, the goal was always to turn it into a world government. Um, that's not my opinion. That is the publicly admitted uh, position of the key people who were involved from the very start. Uh, you know, I'll give you one obvious example. Uh, Secretary of State Dulles, um, mm. who was basically the man uh, for the U.S. government who was really in charge of all this, he wrote a book called War or Peace, published in 1950. Um, and he said in very plain English in that book that uh, the the UN, as it was constituted then, was only um, kind of in the, in the infant stage, and that that organization was supposed to develop and become a full blown world government. Uh, and, and he used that terminology, world government. Uh, and he also said that he had never seen any proposal for world federation or world government um, that could not be carried out under the existing UN charter. So he didn't even think mm-hmm. the charter needed to be amended. He thought the UN needed to be progressively strengthened. And so that was the plan from the beginning. That was Joseph Stalin's plan. He sent uh, his foreign minister, uh, Molotov, to uh, to represent the Soviet Union. And then the guy who was supposed to be representing us, Alger Hiss, um, very, very strange story. They they really liked him. They made him the chairman of the conference that wrote the U.N. Charter. Then they made him the first secretary general of the U.N. Uh, and then just a few years later, we, we threw him in federal prison. Uh, he was prosecuted for being a spy, a Soviet agent uh, for Joseph Stalin. So um, really, really <coughs> nefarious background behind this organization. And yet they continue to accumulate more power. Uh, tell me about uh, Richard Gardner, too, and his, his comments that he made. I guess it was by back in the 70s, but um, it's a while back now, but um, he said something to the same effect, did he not, in Foreign Affairs magazine? He did, yep. And and a little bit of a background there. Uh, Foreign Affairs is the magazine of the Council on Foreign Relations. Um, I call that organization Deep State Headquarters in the United States. I mean, if there's if there is a single organization that represents the elite in the United States, in both parties, by the way. It's not a partisan thing. Um, it is the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, a great U.S. admiral who was invited to join, he spent 16 years as a member, um, Chester Ward, uh, after he learned what was really going on there, he defected. Uh, I'm actually looking at the book he wrote. It's called Kissinger on the Couch. Mm-hmm. And he exposed the organization. And he said that the CFR was totally dedicated to the establishment of a one-world government and the um, submergence of the United States under that world government. And he also said, if you want to know the foreign policy of the United States government a few years in advance, just read Foreign Affairs. So with that background, um, Richard Gardner, who is also Assistant Secretary of State, uh, he wrote an article in there called uh, um, The House of World Order. And uh, what he advocated was uh, a strategy of gradual erosion of national sovereignty, ultimately ending up in a one-world government. He said the the, uh, gradual 
erosion of sovereignty piece by piece would be much more effective than what he called the old-fashioned frontal assault. Uh, and that's what we're seeing, right? A, a climate right. agreement here, a racism deal there, an international health pandemic over here treaty, and uh, pretty soon Americans don't govern themselves anymore. And now uh, the head of the U.N., Guterres, says basically this is global governance. Here's what we're going to do. And just as uh, you have been warning and, and many others like you, that they're using the pandemic and other things such as that as a springboard to get into it. And it's just uh, people need to awaken to this. And I, this is very frightening. Yeah, it is. And people <clears throat> should be very concerned about this. Um, you know, we saw how dangerous it is to have something like the World Health Organization coordinating policy during an emergency, right? We, we just lived through the last three years. How could people have forgotten that already? Uh, first, the WHO told us, oh, there's nothing to worry about. You're a racist if you say you don't want uh, the Chinese airlines landing in your country. Uh, COVID doesn't transmit from person to person. And then, you know, three months later, after COVID had been spread all over the world, they said, whoops, sorry about that. I guess actually it does spread yeah. person to person. Now you're all doing them. And I've got to give up all your freedom. I mean, total craziness, right? And, and we saw in countries all over the world the same maniacal policies with no basis in sensible public health policy, right? For the first time in all of human history, all over the world, healthy people were quarantined, were locked in their own homes. Uh, for the first time in human history, people were ordered to put masks on their face that make no difference on COVID but are very harmful. People were ordered to take these injections that they didn't want. Uh, and, and all of these policies came out of the World Health Organization with support from Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates and the rest of this clown car. Uh, the idea that these people should be rewarded with more power rather than being prosecuted is, is utterly insane. So now tell me how this uh, dovetails with Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, because they've been talking about the Great Reset. It looks like they're all just working hand in glove together on this Great Reset, now coming to world government, uh, meeting in, in New York in, uh, this September. So that's, it looks like they're trying to put the finishing touches on it. Yeah, they are. And, you know, actually they say in this policy brief advocating for this global emergency plan that would put the U.N. in charge of global emergencies, they say that one of the goals of this is to make sure that we continue implementing Agenda 2030. Uh, Agenda 2030 has been referred to by top U.N. leaders, including the uh, president of the U.N. General Assembly, as the master plan for humanity. And so they say the school emergency system is necessary to keep us on track on implementing Agenda 2030. And then the World Economic Forum signed an agreement in 2019 with the UN. Uh, they became, in their words, strategic partners in the implementation of Agenda 2030. So the UN focused on governments. The World Economic Forum focused on businesses. And now they're even trying to bring religious groups into this, as uh, Peter Drucker called it, the three-legged stool to make major changes. You've got the governments, the the public sector, the private sector, right, the businesses, mm -hmm. and then the social sector, the religious organizations, et cetera. Uh, and so we see them all coming together under this, uh, under the banner of Agenda 2030. And I encourage people to read Agenda 2030. I mean, you, you don't even have to read between mm -hmm. the lines. It's self-evidently a recipe for global tyranny. Now, is the church, are, are the churches brought into it via the, the WCC, the World Council of Churches, and the NCC? Is that how how they're splicing it together? Uh, that's a big part of it, but there, there are numerous mechanisms. A lot of them are funded and, and even led by the U.N. Um, in 2019, and I wrote an article about this at The New American. Almost nobody covered it, unfortunately. Um, an organization called Religions for Peace assembled in Germany. 
they transferred leadership from a member of the CFR to a population control nut. And uh, all these religious leaders from, uh, like, I think hundreds of religions were represented there. They had uh, Catholics, Orthodox, and even, quote-unquote, evangelicals. They had Muslims. They had Jews. They had Buddhists. They had mm. Shintos. They had all pagans and spirit worshipers and demon worshipers. Uh, and they all came together, and they created what they called an alliance of virtue. And people can go <laughs> read their final declaration. They oh, say, we it to organizing human development around the principles of Agenda 2030. Oh, boy. So, they represent 7 billion people on the planet through the, the religious leaders. So they've got the religious leaders, they've got the government leaders, they've got the business leaders, and then, you know, there's people like you and me saying, yeah. wait a minute, this is crazy. Wow, that's... Well, you know what? Okay, so the articles call. Did you call it Religion for Peace, or did, is that Religion for Peace? Yep, that's the okay. name of the organization, and it is funded by George Soros. It's funded by the State Department. It's funded by the United Nations, and people can read all about them on their own website. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go find that article. That sounds that sounds really interesting. Um, sad, but interesting. All right, Alex, uh, tell us how we can get in touch with you. People can find your material. They can follow you, or track you, and read read what you have to say. Uh, well, hey, I appreciate it so much, Bill. So uh, my personal website is Liberty Sentinel. That's S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L dot O-R-G. Uh, people can sign up for my newsletter, things like that. Uh, I'm on uh, most of the social media things. People can find me on Twitter. It's Alex Newman underscore J-O-U. I'm a senior editor at the New American Magazine. That's at thenewamerican.com. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from people. And, uh, again, I, this article that we were just talking about, that's available at the Epic Times. Um, unfortunately, it's, it's, um, it's for subscribers, so it's behind a paywall. Oh, uh, yeah. Or if you get the print issue, you can get it through the print issue. But otherwise, they have really cheap options for subscriptions. If people want to read it, um, it'll be available. So. Yeah, the Epic Times, I, I, I get it, and uh, New American also. So just, yeah, I love to read your material, Alex, and thank you so much for all the work you do. And I'd like to have you back uh, ASAP. Hey, I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Bill. God bless you. Oh, yeah, Lord bless you. You bet, Alex. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.